about five years ago, we asked Charlie Munger, we were sitting right there, but he thought of Bitcoin, and he said, rat poison. Uh, back then, it was about $100 plus dollars per Bitcoin. Today, it's 9000 Is it still rat poison? Well, probably rat poison squared. Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Public service announcement, don't forget to remind your friends and family that one Bitcoin will always be one Bitcoin. Now let's dive in. Today is November 5th. It is 9.33 a.m. The Bitcoin price in U.S. dollars right now is $21,271.86. Griff, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. And you sound like that Zac Efron trailer where it was like Bitcoin is 1.2 million. I, I, I don't know what that is. I have seen that. I'd love to know. And uh, two bearish i do i want to say like for everybody that probably watched that and said all right what year is that in and is that bullish or bearish bearish (laughs) 1.2 million bearish very bearish um so funny how are you doing brother uh i'm doing good we're uh actually just doing audio today we are in a little cabin in the woods and uh not don't have that great of internet service i don't think um but uh everything's going good here and uh, having a fun little weekend yeah, that's pretty um, – where are you at? Like in the rural Oklahoma, wasn't there like a level four tornado yesterday just floating around in the middle of Oklahoma? <laughs> are you out there at Little House on the Prairie, like about to get swept up? <laughs> there was no tornadoes out here yesterday that I know of. Uh, but we are in um, western Oklahoma in mutual Oklahoma. is kind of the closest city that's near us. Um, but that's not, it's not even really a, it's more of just a little town, but yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of out in the sticks out here. It's, uh, it's kind of nice to get away and have a, a little weekend, you know, where we can just kind of chill and be disconnected and stuff. But Hey, I'm, I'm kind of interested here. I've got some stuff prepared for you. Uh, I've taken some notes, done some reading and stuff. Uh, we're talking about, uh, Bitcoin, a peer to peer electronic cash system. Do you know what document begins with that? Yes, I do. Bitcoin white paper. (laughs) It is the Bitcoin white paper. If you guys are listening and you have not read the Bitcoin white paper, uh, you got to read it. It's very interesting. Uh, But Griff, I kind of just read through the abstract, the very beginning abstract on here that kind of goes over the general principles and uh, idea of what Bitcoin ultimately is. Um, And I've got some notes here. So Let's dive into this sucker. I'm just going to read this sentence by sentence. We'll talk about it. Begins here. Abstract. A purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. Interesting. So first thought on that was removing the so-called trusted third party is the key. Preventing double spending is none other than maintaining the accuracy of the ledger that money is, right? So again, that's a purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. It continues here, uh, digital signatures provide part of the solution, but the main benefits are lost if a trusted party is still required to prevent double spending. Griff, what do you think about these thoughts so far? 
I just think that those three sentences were worth way more than $1.2 million in the Zac Efron movie. <laughs> I just think that the cool part is even in, in the abstract of this original white paper, he writes about trust. And it's that is something that you don't hear a lot of people talking about. It's actually something that I started talking about more. I don't know why. Like I'm on year, getting on like year three ish of like really like being into Bitcoin at this point <clears throat> and kind of being obsessive about it. Trust is just a fun one to think about because if you really think about building a world with trustless protocols for every individual little thing every industry like how many different things can that make cheaper how many different things can that help i mean it's infinite really well, it's all just like a, it's all like from a standpoint of efficiency and innovation and uh moving forward and development it it just it it is that right i mean well it's as simple as this i mean it's simple it's as simple as this if you're i've, I've always talked this much my entire life nick and you know what i mean and so does the whole podcast <laughs> I've never, I've never been able to like concisely put my thoughts down. It, it takes a lot or I have to be really, really aware. So that's why I have a podcast where I talk and some of you guys listen to me and um, Nick is forced to. But uh, when you talk about trust, think about innovators and uh, the people who actually develop the world. You know, you're in fourth or fifth grade and you have this teacher and you have to trust that they're going to support your crazy ideas as a kid. So eventually, because they shame you, you kind of stop saying them. You know what I'm saying? And then maybe you don't turn into the talented individual you should have been because there was some central authority that told you your cool, crazy idea is stupid. It will ever never work in the marketplace. Even though they don't actually even know what a marketplace is, for the most part, in regards to teachers and also in regards <laughs> to central authorities, they don't really understand trends. They're just trying to avoid losing out on everything. So... When you talk about trust and trustless, I almost think it's the most important part because that's the innovation part. Innovators do not have to trust anything. They can just build and it will always be there. You know, it's interesting. You think about, like you were talking about teachers a second ago, um, and the peer-to-peer -peer aspect of this, the non-trust type of system, um, it really is interesting to think about you know, to really understand the, and try to grasp the scope of this whole idea, like you have to be aware of economics and how economics plays into the world and, and how that really shapes what we see as reality in the economic world. But then also we have to connect that thought with uh, um, with what real business is, right? Like you you work in sales. I work in uh, in construction, estimating sales, marketing. You know, like you, we, we all have different worlds that we live in and, and operate in. So then we also have to understand how does this impact this world, right? So this next piece here says, we propose a solution to the double spending problem using a peer-to-peer -peer network, which we've just been talking about. The network timestamps transactions by hashing them into an ongoing chain of hash-based proof of work, forming a record that cannot be changed without redoing the proof of work. Pause. Here's my thought on this. This is the proof of work consensus mechanism, right? This is what makes decentralization possible. So we've, uh, we, we did, I did an article read uh, a little while back, uh, proof of work versus proof of stake, where we talked about what a consensus mechanism is. But in short, a consensus mechanism is how do we all agree upon this objective truth without trusting one another, right? How do we objectively verify that this is true? 
And this, what we're talking about here, where it's time stamping transactions and then hashing them into an ongoing chain of other hash-based proof-of-work time-stamped transactions, forming a record that cannot be changed without redoing all of that proof-of-work that was done previously. Further on that, this proof-of-work also has an energy requirement or cost that is not free to do, right? So, so now we're talking about now we're, we're able to timestamp transactions with a proof of work consensus mechanism that has a real world energy requirement or cost. Now, now we're connected. Now we've connected this peer to peer electronic cash to the real world. Um, and, uh, and, and now it's a peer to peer network to where we're able to operate directly with each other without a trusted third party or financial institution, right, in, in our current world, um, in the middle that verifies all of these transactions, right? That's huge. Just a little bit. That's the part where when you start <laughs> connecting all of these dots, <clears throat> I just don't, I guess what I would want to talk about is anybody can read this white paper. Anybody can verify at this point, literally, you can buy a node or you can run a miner or you do what you want to do. But anybody can verify because the whole thing of Bitcoin is trust, don't verify, don't trust. But anybody can see that this is true for like, what, the last 14 years? So how amazing is that something this decentralized, something this trustless, something um, this honestly powerful, like you said, like, you know, an innovation in so many different ways, whether it be the double spending problem, the store of value problem, transaction problem, like, just the trust trust a party problem or if you want to go all the way back to uh what was it like the the trojan horse problem you're only as good as your best gatekeeper or your worst gatekeeper really mm, yeah you're only as good as like the worst person that'll let you in and then you guys are all screwed <laughs> like, yeah so at the very very end yeah. of the day in the current system they're only as good as like their worst bank and then when they start getting worse and worse and worse and you know the lending gets worse and worse and worse I mean, actually, right now in the financial system, technically speaking, we're counting probably on some banker in Japan somewhere following the rules, you know, like or some banker in Germany. And it's like, well, well that I don't want that. You don't want that. My individual sovereignty shouldn't depend on that. Sure. So that is where Bitcoin comes into play. It's the first network, so to speak, where it's talking about all this Internet e-cash stuff with a distributed ledger that you can just verify that. <laughs> We never have to like redo it again. We never have to go back because effectively changed what money is. So yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I think up to this point, it makes me kind of think too. And some of the things you were saying, like, you know, it's so easy once, once you get in to Bitcoin, once you dive down the rabbit hole and you start really learning about it, you're like, I'm just, you know, like I'm skeptical, right? Everybody kind of starts maybe a little skeptical. The healthy skepticism, right? is, Is always good. Um, once you dive in and you start learning what some of the foundational pieces of this deal are, um, it's so it, it's it's so motivating, makes you want to go out and yell it from the mountaintops, right? You just want to go tell everybody about it. Um, I mean, that's like there's whole memes that are made to that, right? Can you own Bitcoin and not talk about it? Like all that kind of stuff that it's funny because it's true. Uh, but then also another part of this, too, is like some of the things that we're talking about here, peer to peer networks. Um, trusted third parties, uh, double spending. What is double spending? What does it mean to timestamp uh, transactions and hash them into a chain of other timestamp hashed proof of work 
verified transactions. You know, these types of things that we're talking about, these types of, uh, I guess, terms you could call them, these are these are where we have to start asking better questions to people that are skeptics that don't believe, right? Um, and well, and I say that I don't want to say believe because there is no belief in Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just verifiable. It is just objectively what it is, right? Um, there's now you could say that there's maybe belief in like the development into the future. Like oh, I believe that people are going to continue developing it to make it a better. Uh, better use case, right? Better, uh, better integrated into the world where we can really use it. You could maybe say that there's belief there, but Bitcoin itself, right? In the peer-to-peer uh, network that Bitcoin is, the zero trust network that Bitcoin is, um, the the decentralized consensus mechanism that Bitcoin is, that is all objectively verifiable, right? Um, and it makes me think like we have to start asking better questions, right? So. You know, another thing, like we're talking about a a, uh, a a network where there is no trusted third party. It's all verifiable, direct, peer-to-peer. Why wouldn't we ask somebody, why wouldn't we want that? Why would we want something that does have a trusted third party? Why would we want, uh, you know, like what is the differences and why would we want one over the other? You know, um, those are the questions we got to we gotta be asking people um, that that, you know, Instead of telling them, "Hey, Bitcoin is the future. Bitcoin is this and that," we've got to we've got to make people's minds think a little bit, right? Because Bitcoin is not something you just tell and you're like, "Oh, cool, that makes sense. I love Bitcoin now." You have to read it, right? You have to get into it. You have to try to understand it. So you think that in order for Bitcoin to be adopted in a major way, you think that we're going to have to be able to communicate the base layer of it to the average individual. Like we're going to have to be able to explain it to them. Well, because I personally, I guess answer my own question. I personally do not. I personally think that things like strike are so good and different lightning pay services. Like, you know, there's currently a mad dash to adopt like the biggest lightning payments network in the world. Like there are 100% is. Why? Because, I mean, it, it might not seem like much, but if Bitcoin does end up being the world's unit of account, the world's store of value, you're the one taking all of these transactions. Because the thing I do not believe is not everybody's going to be able to run a node like you're talking about. Not everybody's going to want to run a node. Although yeah. there's going to be some people that you know are well-educated. They're going, well, it's only like 300 bucks and maybe a little electricity. Maybe I should just run my own node because that would be advantageous. But... Most people won't, but they will interact with other people's nodes in large node yeah. networks. So I kind of think it doesn't matter. Like we can sit here all day and rattle, you know, how are we going to get grandma to buy it? How are we going to get dad to buy it? Like, I don't care if they buy it. Honestly, don't buy it. <laughs> I could care less. Don't. Nobody, everybody. Nick, it's a bad idea. Bitcoin's a bad idea. I think we should spend a little more time on this podcast talking about how people should not buy this very bad idea. What do you think? I mean, we should stop telling people to buy it. It's bad. Don't <laughs> get the Bitcoin. No Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess your first part is like, the first question was kind of, does everybody have to know and understand what the base layer of Bitcoin is for it to be adopted? Um, yes. I absolutely agree with you. Agree with you. Um, you know, at some point, if it works, it works and people will use it if it's if it's uh, if it's able to be used. Right. Um, I think that we are in an interesting time, though. Right. Um, I mean, think of think of this in terms of uh, 
the internet just beginning, right? I mean, how many hilarious videos and memes are there out there of people who didn't understand what the internet was early on and, uh, and look like bozos today because we use it all day, every day. Now, nobody's still like, I mean, you know, could you and I put together like kind of a rough idea of what the internet is? I mean, maybe like, you know, but the internet's not like an easy concept to understand, especially if you've never heard of the internet and, and, and you've never operated on something with the internet. Um, that's, I think, exactly what Bitcoin is. And I think that if more people understand what the underlying value is, then it makes adopting the technology easier. Um, my, my example on that might be something like uh, gold-backed dollars, right? Would we ever have gold-backed dollars? Would we have ever adopted gold-backed dollars if nobody knew or understood what the value of gold was? And I would argue that maybe you probably wouldn't, right? Um, and, but, but I also uh, agree that... Well, this is where the internet comes into play, in my opinion, right? I mean, yeah. the internet is as a part of Bitcoin as uh, the fiat world's current infrastructure... CNN, NBC, whatever news networks, whatever communications channels the current network has built out, right, will mm-hmm. be entirely different from the media outlets that are built in a Bitcoin world because sure. everything will be, you know, looked at, I guess, differently. So I guess just into your point, the internet is important here because it can deliver messages quicker. It can connect people quicker all over the world. It can do things that yeah. In the old network where you're talking about gold backed dollars, it's like, well, like, unless you had a smart neighbor, which back then, dude, imagine back then all of these kids that are trading that you can, you can hate them for trading or not. They do understand economics. They do understand how to like make money. They do understand how markets work to a degree. So how would they have been done in 1942? Oh, they did done really well if the internet was around because... <laughs> It wasn't yeah. that hard to see it coming. It's just how they had ineffective communication channels. They didn't have the internet. So I think that's a big difference now, not only in like financial markets, but just life in general, where money affects it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, inflation. You know, uh, another, another thing that I think is super important too, right? Like I'm sure you've heard it a lot. I don't know how much you talk to people that do not like Bitcoin, but a lot of the times I hear people talking about volatility, volatility. And I think, um, you know, if you don't if you don't understand what makes the core protocol what it is um, and why it's valuable and how it was put together, I, I think it's it makes it difficult to hold the Bitcoin right, when right it's now. up and down and up and down and up and down right now. Right. Because uh, because right now we don't have we don't have the. Um, we, we don't have the whole network put together right to where we can utilize the network to its full, uh, full power and capabilities. Um, at some point for sure, uh, whenever it's just the money that we use because it's the most efficient way to, to transact with each other, then at that point, it's probably not going to matter because the use case and the network of the money is so large at that point that, um, that, that the, uh, the stability of Bitcoin is just going to be inherent in itself. Um, yeah, I think, I think that I that's kind of interesting at this point. I think in regards to Bitcoin, like until it in a major way can be borrowed against, because I think that's truthfully how they're going to get a lot of people's Bitcoin next. Bitcoin will go up in value. There will be, the, I mean, there will be currencies around. You know what I'm saying? There will still be these networks that we're talking about, the United States government, the biggest network currently around. It will be around for a long time. It's going to take a long time for it to go to zero or to unwind or to 
not be a major part of the world or blah, blah. It's going to take a long, long time. Yeah. So Bitcoin, I think, will go up in value increasingly because it's so volatile, because it's so small. People don't understand a million a coin is not really even that big. Like it's, a million a coin is like, oh, so you can borrow against Bitcoin to buy a house because that's a better backing than treasuries, you know? And like, that's that's a pretty obvious statement. We're just not doing it right now. But imagine for the people all holding Bitcoin right now, renting instead of owning any of these homes as the like market goes down, uh, there's still only 21 million and the price will go up. What happens to all those people when the banks go, yeah, hey, if you give us a Bitcoin, like, yeah, yeah, like you can have whatever the hell you want like you just give us the bitcoin well another people another thing it. another thing we can't forget too like we always talk about the 21 million supply cap another thing that we can't forget to to talk about and think about is the supply uh in elasticity meaning that as value as demand uh goes up of in bitcoin the supply is not altered and the flow of supply is not altered uh based upon the protocol um, so, right. so the supply Simplicity. can also you're talking about and, is how simple it is, you know, yeah, like it's, it's so simple. Crazy. Did you well, see and, the Vitalik shit that just came out yesterday? Uh-uh, what was it? Dude, he post he posted this like big old picture and he was just like, oh my gosh, this is like this protocol. And then this is what happens after the merge. And then this, this, and this, this. And I'm just like, okay, like, why are people buying this shit? Like, because you think he's smart. Maybe, maybe he's smart. Maybe he's building some like. He's building something. He's building a Frankenstein, you know, like he's building a very ugly monster. Maybe it works, but like that's exactly the system we're in now. Does it work? Has it advanced the world? Sure. But when did we stop asking ourselves, why can't it be better? Like that's that's what I don't get. People stopped asking that question a while ago. They're like, well, Africans have rice now. Like you can donate them some water. Yeah, we, this, this network's the best. Like we're killing it. Like we're obviously doing a really good job. It just... When did people stop striving for like what's actually better? I don't know. It's very interesting, yeah. but very proof of stake. Very proof of stake. Okay, let's let's continue down here. Remember, we're just reading the abstract here. This is just the couple of sentences, the little paragraph that really kind of sets the foundation for what this whole document is. Um, so continue down. It says the longest chain not only serves as proof of the sequence of events witnessed, but proof that it came from the largest pool of CPU power. As long as a majority of CPU power is controlled by nodes that are not cooperating to attack the network, they'll generate the longest chain and outpace attackers. So again, one of my other notes was this proof of work has an energy requirement or cost. It's not free to do, right, which is a big piece. And then another thought on this is the incentives, right? The incentive structure is something we've talked a lot about. It says the the incentives are designed in such a way where if you're connected to the network in any way, you're incentivized to work with the network and not against it, right? That's what people don't talk about either. Oh, if there's a supercomputer, oh, if there's this, if you get into the weeds of Bitcoin and it's like, yeah, but then like, why wouldn't I just mine all of it? Why wouldn't I just start putting my hash into it? What's the point of fighting it? Fighting it would effectively ruin everything. Playing along with this thing just makes me wealthier. I mean, like, you can get rich in Bitcoin, right? Like, do you agree? I mean, even if it's well, all distributed well, just, out. Just, in, just inherently, if some supercomputer were to come and be able to uh, alter the Bitcoin blockchain with, without impacting other pieces, right, and was able to take control over the network, 
the network is immediately useless and nobody would use it anymore because now it's been compromised, right? Exactly. And so, I think there, so, then, so then you can steal all the Bitcoin, but well, the Bitcoin doesn't have any value because then everybody would leave the network, right? Well, also, though, to be fair, even if you're like 50, you're all this hash rate, like all you can do is get the new Bitcoin and transactions. And when lightning is sent down to the layer one and things like that is where you can only take it at a certain point. It's not even advantageous to do it because all you'd really be doing is like basically waiting for people to spend it. But like you also never have to spend it, your keys, your Bitcoin, you know, like everybody's equally as powerful. So it's kind of just. Oh, man, I love talking about it. All right. How yeah. are we getting? What, what are we going to next with the white paper? OK, next piece here. So this is the last couple sentences that I'm going to read here says uh, the network itself requires minimal structure. Messages are broadcast on a best effort basis and nodes can leave and rejoin the network at will, accepting the longest proof of work chain as proof of what has happened while they were gone. So so that's the abstract of the Bitcoin white paper. Now, uh, I want to also read the introduction here. Um, just so that if somebody's a little bit interested, here's the introduction for the, for the paper, and then it's going to be your homework to go and read the rest. So reading the introduction here, it says, commerce on the internet has come to rely almost exclusively on financial institutions serving as trusted third parties to process electronic payments. While the system works well enough for most transaction transactions, it still suffers from the inherent weaknesses of the trust-based model. Completely non-reversible transactions are not really possible since financial institutions cannot avoid mediating disputes. The cost of mediation increases transaction cost, limiting the minimal practical transaction size and cutting off the possibility for small casual transactions. And there is a broader cost in the loss of ability to make non-reversible payments for non-reversible services. Now, that's an interesting deal. Non-reversible payments for non-reversible services. With the possibility of reversal, the need for trust spreads. Merchants uh, merchants must be weary of their customers hassling them for more information than they would otherwise need. A certain percentage of fraud is accepted as unavoidable. These costs and payment uncertainties can be avoided in person by using physical currency. But no mechanism exists in making payments over a communications channel without a trusted party. What is needed is an electronic payment system based on cryptographic proof instead of trust, allowing any two willing parties to transact directly with each other without the need for a trusted third party. Transactions that are computationally impractical to to reverse would protect sellers from fraud and routine escrow mechanisms could easily be implemented to protect buyers. couple more sentences here. In this paper, we propose a solution in the double spending problem using a peer-to-peer distributed timestamp server to generate computational proof of work of the or proof of the chronological order of transactions. The system is secure as long as the honest nodes collectively com- control more CPU power than any cooperating group of attacker nodes. There's your introduction to the Bitcoin white paper. And to be frank, probably one of the best written pieces of paper, not only the greatest innovation probably in our lifetime, but they're solving like human greed. They're solving like legitimate issues that money itself has never been able to solve. 
And it's because he was creative enough to think about money as a network. Money is something bigger than just one commodity or one thing. Like he really thought, I mean, how thoughtful does somebody have to be to write that or how, or how lucky, like one of the two, like how thoughtful or how lucky, because nowadays like is something that, and this is what it's hard for people to understand. We're still very early in a Bitcoin, but we're far enough along where people have the ideas. There's a lot of people better than me sitting around here, not only just like talking about how it's like, yeah, I don't understand how like Walmart isn't just taking lightning payments now, like how they're not completely changing up how they would take payments in brick and mortar stores, because it should actually be a lot easier now and they should be able to get their money faster and they should get their money cheaper. It's, it's not that we're only 14 years in, it's probably already happening and you're probably already behind. So that is the type of thing Bitcoin is. It's something that any Tom, Dick and Harry can go. I can be in the next Rockefeller. I can be the next Carnegie. Why? Because it changes the entire landscape of money. It changes the entire paradigm. And it also, if, if you didn't hear most of it, it can be integrated into the real world that exists today. So everything that is out there that exists, it just has to be divided by 21 million. That doesn't mean we have to lose quality. It means we're probably going to lose a bunch of crap. You know, cream rises to the top. And unfortunately, there will be hard times, but there's only going to be hard times because we have we've sold our future. I mean, for anybody listening to this, the double spending problem, the derivatives, the fake money, the fake investments, the arbitrage, the being able to buy 30 year mortgages and getting, quote unquote, passive income to become financially free. No, you're going to have to think about counterparty risk in the future. You're going to have to think about how a government can just take it from you. You're going to think have to think about, you know, your individual liberties again, because clearly they're, you know, the world's changing. They're infringing upon them. And that white paper is here to protect us. Like that is our the people's new government, in my opinion. That's the people's new constitution, declaration of independence. Because now we have something that we can build on and live by where we do no longer need a central authority for really just about anything. And I think that's what it will be looked at as in like 100 years. Because if you talk to Bitcoiners, there's not one of them really that's like, yeah, we should just kind of keep going on this like democracy thing. Maybe there's people who think we need to work with certain parts of our politics to advance Bitcoin. But there's not a single person that really, if you dive deep down into it, goes, so like, hey, if this Bitcoin thing works out, we're totally going to need this overarching government thing, right? No, we don't. Like Nick talked about, what question you said we should ask people? Like, why wouldn't you want peer-to-peer? It's like, yeah, seriously, like, why would you not want everything to be like instant and peer-to-peer? Like the conversation that you just had, if it went well, you get rewarded as the salesman because it went well, boom, done. You can get your money right now. And people don't have to do as much financial planning and the accounting and all the bullshit and all the hiding and all the taxes because there will only be 21 million i mean so savings will matter again maybe not in our lifetime but eventually so those are my closing thoughts but the white paper i mean like just the abstract has to be one of the best written and most thoughtful pieces of paper in regards to like if you're trying to change the world how would you have done it and this guy came around he said let's do it via money if you don't think that's divine or you don't think that that is some sort of like weird thing to have happened. I mean, it, it took a lot of work. Like it, it, it didn't just come out of nothing. And obviously he was probably a person, but to think that it wasn't some altruistic, like 
definitely an endeavor for this person. It was, I think. And it was a very thoughtful, I'm glad you read it. It's a very thoughtful piece of work. It's uh, it's interesting that you, you kind of finish up there. My, my closing thought after going through both the abstract and the introduction was, it seems like in the Bitcoin space, people get so enamored with like the creation of Bitcoin or the the innovation that Bitcoin is. Um, and I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's easy to get sidetracked and think that, um, you know, think that Bitcoin is more than what it really is. Um, and my thought on this is that Bitcoin, uh, just like many other things, is just an innovation based on what we knew at the time and what we had put together. And then, and then what happened was, you know, because Bitcoin was not the first attempt at this, right? You can go back and look at all these other attempts at making this e-cash or this electronic cash, right? And Satoshi just happened to be the guy that put everything together in the right order and in the right sequence for it to work the way that it has, right? And this makes me think of like the industrial revolution, right? The the creation of the wheel, um, how we how we create uh, steel, right, for all kinds of different uses, how we build cars, how we build homes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just literally just kind of looking around at where I'm at right now, like ceiling fans, light bulbs, you know, stoves, heaters, like all of these different things. All they are are human innovations, right? They're human innovations and they're not perfect, but they may be the best thing that we we know how to do today, right? And I think that that is what is true of Bitcoin is that I don't think that Bitcoin is perfect, I think that there is opportunity for uh, for its its development into the future, and I think that there is it is possible that there could be a better money. Uh, but at this time, at this time, with what we know today, Bitcoin seems to be, in my mind, and, and everything that I've looked into, it seems to be the best uh, path forward that we have for a sound money, which has all the benefits that we've talked to about at nauseum. Uh, in pre- many previous episodes before this, um, you know, I think that that is what Bitcoin is, right? It's no, it's nothing other than another human innovation that is simply the best way of doing things. Now, albeit uh, it's a huge innovation and is not, it's not something as minor as like, oh, we found a new way to do this thing. Like it is a huge overhaul to how we transact economic value, right? Which is uh, which is incredible, incredible scope of uh, of what that really impacts, right? Um, but it's it is no different than just another human innovation, and with today's knowledge, is the best option that we've got. I agree. Um, to- guys, you're not watching today because uh, we are not doing video; it's only audio. Uh, <laughs> because I don't have that great of internet, which it actually turned out to be fine. So, anyways. Uh, but if you don't watch, uh, go check us out on YouTube and on Spotify. We've also got video on Spotify, um, and we've got audio on all the major platforms. So check us out there. Uh, come hit us on Twitter. We are active on Twitter all the time, uh, talking to people, uh, tweeting. We, we also put all of our uh, clips up on Twitter. Um, so go check those out on Twitter. And uh, this has been another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Griff. I'll see you next week, man. Peace.